Y'all getting too excited out there. Got to hold you down. Don't, don't want you to get out, out of hand. Somebody be jumping a chair now. Watch out. The pews aren't here anymore. You'll fall down if you jump on one of those chairs. <laughs> Boy, you know what? It just takes somebody to get stirred and stir the rest. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's right. Amen. Turn, you with, turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 18. God is good all the time, right? All the time. All right. Well, we're going to have lunch today, and we're inviting everybody to come out with us and have lunch downstairs. Whoa, there's a... You thought so. A couple of you I would have trusted, but I'm afraid I might throw it to the wrong one. Yeah, we're going to have lunch, and we're inviting you all out to be a part of it. Yeah, and... uh, we, we will pray down there. I will lead us in prayer down there and uh, eat together. First Kings 18. Uh, boy, we, we're looking at Elijah. The, Elijah takes over the latter part of First Kings. It's about what he is doing. He's the prophet of God. He's the man of God. And uh, here is going to be the height, the height of, of, the, of the whole book. When he calls fire down from heaven, they're going to have this meeting, the gods versus the God. The gods versus the God, right? Mount Carmel. And so let's read, we'll begin with verse 15 and read through 39. And you follow me as I read the Word of God. It's always good to read the Word of God, isn't it? The Word of God is more important than anything that I can say. And verse 15, and Elijah said, As the Lord of hosts liveth, for whom I stand, I will surely show myself unto him today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto the Mount Carmel, and the prophet of Baal, uh, I say that wrong, Baal, 450, and the prophets of, of the groves, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. Now, Jezebel fed the prophets of the gods, but she tried to kill the prophets of the God. Keep that in mind. Verse 20 now. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel, all the people out there, and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came uh, unto all the people and said, How long halt ye? Between two opinions. Man, I don't make a sermon right now. How long halt ye, the people in this church today, between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. If Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, not a word. Wow, complete silence. All the people are there, not a word. Verse 22, then said Elijah to the people, I, even I, 
only remain a prophet of the Lord. He's, he's stretching that a little bit. He thinks that, but it's not true. You think he's the only one, but there's more. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Now, on that day, it was that way. Verse 23, let them therefore give us two bullocks. Let them choose one bullock, whichever one they want for themselves, and cut it in pieces and lay it on wood and put no fire under it. And, it may, and I may dress the other bullock and lay it on wood and put no fire under And call ye on the name of your gods. And I will call on the name of the Lord. And he's the supreme only God. And the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. They finally said something. And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourselves, and dress it first. For ye are many. You can have first play, home field advantage. And call on the name of your gods, but put no fire under. And they took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it and called on the name of Baal from morning even unto noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice. You can see good that God made. It wouldn't even thunder, would it? A bird wouldn't chirp. No voice. Nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made. Jumping up and down. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked him. And said, cry aloud. For he is a God either. For he is a God either he is talking or he is pursuing, or he is in a journey, or preadventure he sleepeth and must be awakened. And they cried aloud, cut themselves. And they cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancets till the blood gushed out upon them. And it came to pass when midday was past, and, the prophe- and, and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, gave them all day, there was no, there was neither voice nor any to answer, nor any that regarded. And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down, and took, and Elijah took twelve stones, a according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar. Now, he didn't do this around theirs. He made a trench around uh, the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces, and laid him on the wood, and said, Fill four barrels of water, and pour it on the burnt sacrifice, and on the wood. You ever heard about your wood being wet? Don't matter with God, does it? And he said, Do it the second time. And they did it the second time. And he said, Do it the third time. And they did it the third time. And the water round about the altar... And he filled the trench also with water. And it came to pass, at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, 
that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. And hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, Lord, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is the God. Wow. And Elijah goes about his business like nothing happened. Wow, what a text, right? A standoff, right? To lead up to this, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time in verses 1 to 15, but uh, there was the drought going on. Three and a half years, James tells us that it was three and a half years. Uh, The prophet of God prayed that it would not rain. Elijah, he prayed uh, about three, uh, three and a half years from this time because it's going to rain before long. And, and so James tells us three and a half years, and Elijah, that prophet to this northern kingdom, to Samaria, he, he prayed that it wouldn't rain. And now, the people, they're, they're starving, they're, they're, everything's terrible, but they still haven't gotten right with God. They still haven't looked to the Lord. There's still an equality between the gods of, of all the heathen and the God that is God. It, it's it's all the same. It don't matter whichever God you want. Worship whichever God you want to worship. That's where it is. Hey, has it ever been that way in America? You can have your own God. You, know, you can make your own God you want to. That's where they were. And so Ahab, he goes to Obadiah, and, and, and he says, you know, uh, they, they look for water. They can't find any water. And then he, he, he says, go get uh, Elijah. And Obadiah kind of rejects that. He said, I'm going to go get you, and you ain't going to show up. I'm going to be in hot water with Ahab if you don't show up. You know, that's just like a preacher. You can't count on him doing what you tell him to do. Something inherent, inherent, sorry. So Elijah confirms to Obadiah. He said, "If, if you tell him I'll be there, I'll be there. And so here we have, picks up with, Verse 15, he says that, And Elijah said, As the Lord of hosts liveth before whom I stand, I will surely show myself unto him today. Now the reason Obadiah was afraid, he'd been hiding and protecting a hundred of the prophets of the Lord. A hundred of them. And Jezebel had been hiding the prophets of the gods and was trying to kill the prophets of the Lord. Now, the question they have, first of all, who caused this drought? Who caused this famine and this starving of the people? Ahab blamed Elijah. Right? Verse 17. And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said unto him, 
Art thou he that troubleth Israel? You're the blame. You're the one that caused all this to take place. And then the preachers that, that prayed that it would not rain said, Hey, you can blame me all you want, but it's not my fault. It's your sinfulness and your rebellion towards God. It's how you're living that's causing this thing to be the way it is. Yeah, sure, God caused the drought. It was through the prayer of Elijah. But the answer is not that point an accusation against God, but it is to get out on your face and get right with God. So verse 18, and he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam, a false god. Now, we need to think about what he had done. Ahab is the worst of all the kings up to this point. He's only superseded by uh, the one that threw the babies in the fire. By the way, they found where that happened in recent discoveries, where that actually happened. They threw their babies in the fire. All of them had broken legs where they couldn't crawl. Yeah, yeah. He says, it's you and your father that have forsaken the commandments of the Lord. And listen, because of what Ahab done, someone after him done worse. Because of what Ahab done, someone after him done worse. Now, I want to put a challenge out to you today. Whatever you do, do it how? Heartily, as unto who? Unto the Lord. Whatever you do, somebody else is going to do worse. Why is it that we as Christians want to live uh, at just as limited as we can? We don't want to be all we can be. We just kind of want to coast on God, and, and we, we do a half-hearted job on so many things that we do for Jesus. He did not do a half-hearted job for us when he went to, the Cal, to Calvary and gave his life's blood and his body beaten for our sins. He gave his all, him alone. I want to challenge you to quit living a half-hearted Christian life. That's what brings the next, next generation as uh, one worse. One worse. I mean, you, 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 you say, oh, me here. When, when I, hey, we do, most of us do only what we must. And if you can't agree to that, it's probably because you do less. Amen. So they violated the commandments. They put other gods before God. They raised them up to the same elevation. Made graven images unto their God. And they used the name of God in vain, calling these created things gods. There's three of them that they violated. And then you got the, the, the fourth one is remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Lord, if we don't even, I'm going to have to do a series on that. The Lord's day is the Sabbath day for us as Christians. Well, they worship Baal, Canaanite gods, supreme male divinities, sexual gods. Every age worships some kind of pagan gods, and they just change the names. Or even in our day, we don't give them names. We just have these pagan spiritual gods that are worshipped today. Today, still the same. The gods that's most popular, I believe, in our generation today is the God of self. Self is the great God. Ignoring the God 
that created and the God that died on the cross and the God that has eternal life waiting for all that return to Him, disregarding Him. Now, God brought this drought, this famine, because of sin. God is involved in the affairs of the world. He said, gather the prophets, verse 19, and now therefore sin and gather me all Israel unto the Mount Carmel and the, the prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the groves, there's 850 of them gathered up there. And, and they, they, they get out this, this group of, and they're, they're, they're outnumbered. The, the, the prophet of God is severely outnumbered. Uh, Elijah doesn't call for the prophets of God, maybe because he thinks he's the only one. He's got this anointing from God. He's got this power of God on him. And maybe before their safety, he doesn't call them out, right? But you know what? We can look at this. Because right is outnumbered, it shouldn't surprise us that the moral majority is always, almost always, silent. There's 7,000 that have not bowed the knee. Didn't you know the Bible said that in the chapter later? 7,000 has not bowed the knee. When, when all Elijah really get the, got the feeling that, after that high point, he goes down in a deep emotional valley, and he said, I'm the only one, I'm the only one. And God said, you're not the only one. I got 7,000 that have not bowed the knee. I just used you that day for my glory. But the majority is almost always silent. A few people get on TikTok and get on Facebook and get on this and get on that and, and have influence. Yeah, right. Verse 22. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I alone, remain the prophet of the Lord, but Baal prophets are 450. All right, here we are. Now, he calls them for a decision that should have already been made. Look at verse 21. And Elijah came unto all the people. All the people here today, listen. Elijah's coming to you through the word of God. And he said, Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. You ever halted? You can't walk right, can you, when you're halting? Anybody ever had a hurt leg and... Had to halt along. You know what he's saying? You can't walk like you should walk when you're halting along. And you can't walk like you should walk until you make a decision. Amen. Who's going to be God? Who's going to be your God? The prophet Elijah is saying to us today, every one of us, preacher included, who is going to be your God? Is it going to be those things that you do? Is it going to be you yourself? Is it going to be those followers you have? Is it going to be those people you listen to? Who is going to be your God? Well, I'm getting old now. I need to take it easy. I need to retire. God has a retirement plan that's out of this world. But we don't need to be quitting on God. You old folks out there, I'm talking about you old folks, 60 years of age, you old people. 
can't quit. Who's going to be your God? It it seems like when we get older, we forget what we taught everybody all our lives. We forget the morality that we used to live with and defend. Who's going to be God? Are you? That's your problem, isn't it? You are your God. Let me ask you, who is your God? And there's, that's, a big, that's a big question. Because whoever your God is dictates your morality. If you've got the gods of this world, you can do anything you want to do. You can live on any, any old way you want to. You, you can just do anything you want. Live any. Hey, listen, and uh, listen, I'm not trying to offend you. I'm trying to call you out to make a decision that as of today, I'm going to let the Lord be my God. That's the challenge of I, uh, that Elijah's making to us. He's calling for a decision. You know, when you get saved, you, 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 know, you just don't get saved because you're born into a Christian family. There comes a time that you and God have an encounter and you put your faith in Jesus. How many's done that? Say amen. amen. Thank God for that decision. If you were saved as a young person, though, Elijah is calling you out, and he's calling you out for another decision for you to make Christ the Lord of your life. That comes with a decision to stop playing games with God. Preacher, I'm having a lot of trouble. I'm having a lot of trouble, preacher. Pray for me. I'm really having a struggle. What's your struggle? I can't get up on Sunday morning and be at church on time. Is that your major struggle? Let me share some more with you. Let me share some bigger ones with you, okay? There's bigger ones than that. Hey, you know who you know who's involved there? You, yourself, and I. That's who decides that. That's no big struggle. That's just a that's just a deal of lordship. It's just a deal of lordship. Who's Lord of your life? Are you Lord of your life? Or, or, or is Jesus Lord of your life? Say, preacher, boy, you're really, you're really getting on that church attendance. Yes, I am, because it's important. Amen. It's very, it's vitally important. You know, you never know when the preacher's going to say something that might just be the thing that makes a difference in your life. You never know when something's going to go on at church, and if you're not there, you're going to miss it. So, verse 20, how long haunt ye? How long haunt ye? Are you halting today? The only cure is who's your God? Jesus is Lord. Now that halt really means to limp or hop or dance around. <laughs> oh, there's so much I could say. One of the one of the commentators I read, like a bird flying from tree to tree. Like a bird flying a tree. How long are you like a bird that flies around from tree to tree, from limb to limb? How long halt you? You know, Jesus taught us that he feeds the sparrows. What did he follow up by saying? You're much more valuable than a sparrow. You say, preacher, that made... What, what, did, what are you saying? Well, 50 years ago... It had no meaning like it does today. Our kids in school are taught that they're nothing but an animal. 
no better than a sparrow, nothing more than a sparrow. What I want to say to you, you're much more than a sparrow. You're much more than a dinosaur. You're much more than a hippopotamus. You're much more than a monkey. You're not even the same classification. You are a man or a woman. Man or woman. The devil confuses everything, doesn't he? How long? How many plagues would it take? How much pestilence would there be? How, how much more? How many more would die? How much worse must it get before we go to verse 21? And how long do we get over a halting around between two opinions? If the Lord be God, then let's serve Him. Hey, listen, folks, this is not... Come on now, this is not to lost people. If you're not a Christian here today, forgive me, I'm not trying to dress you down today. I'm trying to say to us that are saved, to the believer, if, if you're not a Christian, this is not to you. If you are saved, it's absolutely in your lap. How long halt you between two opinions? If the Lord be God, what? Follow Him. Our life groups has been about following Jesus, haven't they? Haven't they been wonderful? We've enjoyed our life groups this fall. It's been about following Jesus. He said, follow the Lord. Now, you know what he's also saying here by implying? If you're not following the Lord, you're following Baal. Baal. It's, it's, it, there's no neutral ground. You're either gathering with us or scattering abroad. You're either bringing it in or scattering it out. You're either helping or hindering. And here's the thing, I don't want you to quit. I want you to start helping. That's not the answer. If you're going to be half-hearted, we'll keep you like you are. Don't quit. But if you want to make a difference, let's move it on. Follow the Lord. It's good for you. It's good for you. It's good for you to follow the Lord. It's a blessing. Yep. How long sampling you a little bit of the Bible when the preacher preaches and filling your life and your mind with the world's philosophy all week long? How long? How long can a how long can a society survive with filling their children with trash of the world for fifty years and not honoring the God that created the world? And gives us life. How long can a society sustain like that? We're going to find out if we stick around very long. Well, he said this. But what happened? Not a word. Not a word. I thank God I've got some amens. Thank God for amens. There was, there was not, they, they hadn't heard anything like that in a while, Right? Neither have you. Every one of us need to face the reality. Too often, we're neither cold nor hot. We are lukewarm, just like we got it, just like we want it. Got it, just like we want it. Preacher, I'm in, I'm in the rocking chair. Preacher, don't mess with it. I'm in the rocking chair. I'm in a place where God don't really bother me. That's because I ain't paying much attention to him. And the devil don't attack me either. I'm in the rocking chair. 
Remember Dalton Diaz? <laughs> Neither cold nor hot. The Lord said, I'll spew you out of my mouth. Mm. Serving both God a little, at least in her mind, and Baal. Our hearts far away from God. Where's consecration? Where's wholeheartedness? Where's commitment? Where's sacrifice? Serving one day, one hour, and the rest is for ourselves. Really? Then the challenge, he said, choose your bullock. Lay the wood. Don't put any fire on it. Verse 24, and he called them, uh, and, and he said, call ye on the name of your gods. Boy, I wish I was a prophet like a, 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 a Elijah. I'd go to Washington, D.C. and do this right now. <laughs> Lord, don't look out. And call ye on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. He's got a name, hadn't he? The Lord there. He's, he's, that's the Jehovah name. He's everything. And the God that answered. Well, he spoke to me. I, I felt a sensation go through my heart. <laughs> no, he said, the God that answers by fire. Let him be God. And all the people answered and said, well, that's a good idea. We wouldn't go for that. And so why, what, what, what we do today with this is we, we set up situations where we... Oh, that was God that did that. Was there fire there? No, but it was God. No, fire. Well, this happened. No, was there fire? <laughs> Had to be fire. The God that answers by, God, by fire, he is the God. The God. Uh, Elijah already knows the answer, right? And Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose you one bullet for yourself and dress it, verse 25, and for as... Uh, for you're many, and call on the name of your gods, but put no fire under it. Let's know. You know, hey, listen. If they could have had one of these little strikers like my wife got to light her fires with there at the house, man, they would have pulled that thing out and nobody would have seen it. If they had some charcoal fluid, look there, look there. They could have done that on the internet, couldn't they? Couldn't they? He says, uh, notice he goes on here, and they called, and they expected, and they called to noonday, and there was no answer. Nobody spoke. They started leaping and jumping. Look at verse 28. And they cried aloud, and, and they, uh, verse 27, rather, and it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked him. I'm going to get into that in a minute. And verse 28, and they cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancets till the blood gushed out upon them. Now, I don't know what you think about cutting, cutting, people cutting themselves, but we have more than just this example of it being satanically inspired. False gods inspired. They are preaching. They are praying, right? They're preaching and they're praying. 
and they, they're jumping up and down, and they're cutting themselves, and they drew blood. They're devoted to their religion. There's no question. The heathens are more devoted than we are. How long halt we between two opinions? Lord, we need to be committed to Christ and let it be seen in our lives. Nothing cutting. If you're having trouble with cutting, if you're thinking about suicide, let me tell you who you're listening to. You're listening to the devil. Now, that's the truth. Well, that's an emotional disorder. Well, maybe that's a setup for the devil to speak to you. I'm not going to deny that. I'm not a physician. I'm a preacher that reads this book. And this book tells me everything. You're being inspired by the devil if you want to cut yourself. And some of you people that are 60-year-olds say, why is he really, why is he really nailing that? If you work with teenagers, you'd know why I'm talking about this. It's the devil. If you want to murder someone, it's Satan inspiring you. We got the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not steal. On and on, the Ten Commandments. Look at them things. Man, if, if anybody motioning you, moving you to violate one of those commandments are of the devil. So then, we looked at this. They didn't hear anything. I love this part. This, this preacher wasn't right with God. He wasn't right with God. He had a word from God, but he, he ain't got that ooey-gooey feeling that we want our preachers to have. You follow me? Oh, I like our preacher. He don't offend nobody. He don't offend anybody. He's nice. He's not like you. You're mean-spirited. Well, this guy ain't right with God according to those standards. Look at verse 27. I love it. Lord, forgive me. I just confess where I stand. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked him. <laughs> he mocked him. Making fun of him. You know, the Bible says that one day God's going to laugh. He has the last laugh, doesn't he? If you're with Jesus, you're going to laugh with him. I wonder what God's doing right now when he hears all this crap. Preacher, you weren't supposed to use that word. I violated that one years ago. I'm sorry. What does he do when he hears this stuff? Is he going, oh, what are we going to do now? <laughs> God, what are we going to do now? They're all confused with what they are. Oh, God doing that? He's just having a good time up in heaven. There's so much good time going on up in heaven right now. They, they ain't worried about what's going on down here. They're not worried till we start calling. Till we, till we start calling. Look, it's 27. He said, and Elijah mocked him. I'm not advising you to do this. And he said, cry aloud, for he is a God. <laughs> He's a God. Either he is talking or he is pursuing or he is on a journey or pre-adventure he's sleeping. He must be awakened. Now you think about that. None of those 
attributes of their gods are true of the real God. You don't like studying theology and things like that. Y'all don't like I try to do them and, and I get very little following. But if you do follow that stuff, you get an understanding of who God is and you never change. You never, it, it never, you, you're just blessed by those truths. But notice, our God is a spirit. When God became flesh, he lowered himself, didn't he? That's what the book of Philippians tells us. He lowered him, he took upon him flesh. Our God, the Father, he is spirit. He always has been spirit. Second person of the Trinity became flesh, right? He came down below the angels that he might raise us up above the angels. Glory to God. But notice these attributes of their gods that are created. He says, uh, he says uh, uh, and said, cry loud. You've got to talk real loud. He can't hear. It's kind of hard hearing. Hard hearing. Your God's hard hearing. He said, for he is a God. Either he's talking. He's busy talking to somebody else. He, he, he's not omnipresent, omniscient like God is. Omniscient, knows everything at all times. Knew everything before everything, anything ever happened. No surprises with him. Your God's not omniscient. He's maybe, maybe he's talking to somebody else. He's busy. Phone call to heaven. <laughs> or he's pursuing. He's, he's, he's running an errand. He's on an errand right now. Just leave a voicemail with him. He'll get back to you. <laughs> or maybe he's on a journey. He's, he's gone to, over to England. Uh, for, to, he's over there. He, he's over there in Europe somewhere. Uh, when he gets back to Marble Hill, then uh, he'll give you an answer. Or preadventure, he's sleeping. He's worn out. He's just tired. <laughs> Our Lord never sleeps. He never sleeps. Always attentive to the, to the cry of the believer. Eh, you got to wake him up. <laughs> I love it. None of these things are attributes of the true God, are they? Talking, sleeping, on a trip. I love, I love the living Bible. And when I read it years ago, I thought, well, how dare they say that? But it, it says in that verse in the living Bible, perhaps he's sitting on a toilet. Uh, you know what? That's in the original autographs. It really is. It's in the original autographs. You know what our Bible does? It cleans things up so many times. It cleans it up. And, gives, and that's good. But we're living in a time where you don't need to clean things up because it's pretty dirty around us. It's pretty filthy, isn't it? And sometimes preachers have to get a little raw because of the filth sad but really it, 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 maybe he's on the toilet can I tell you the fact that you have to sit on the toilet is a defilement of you and me the fact of what passes through our body is just an indicator of how carnal and filthy we are now, we shouldn't be as filthy as we can be. You ought to be the clean as we can be. Matter of fact, you ought to buy the best toilet tissue you can find. 
And when you go through a pandemic, buy you a bunch of extra of it because they don't give a serious catalog out anymore. And we take a bath, don't we? Do, have you ever read how the priest would be scrubbed before he went in the presence of God? They would scrub him and scrub him and scrub him and scrub him. Man, clean the fingernails out and get him as clean as he could be. Because why? He's walking in the awed presence of the Lord God Almighty. What happened to us? Well, we think that we can just enter the Lord's presence being filthy. Now, I I want you to enter the Lord's presence, but as you approach Him, there needs to be a desire to clean it up. That's who God is. When Jesus came to this world and died on that cross, He took the filth of this world upon Himself. But when He rose up from that grave after accomplishing that act of atonement, when He was walking back through that garden and Mary wanted to touch Him, He said, touch me not. I've not yet ascended to my Father, which is heaven. The high priest had to go into the holy of holies in heaven to make that offering of himself. Look what I've done. So we welcome you. We invite you. We encourage you. We want you to know Jesus. Jesus doesn't save us in our sins. He saves us from our sins. So when you get to know the Lord, there needs to be a cleaning up. And Lord, help us. We're, we're dirty. We're filthy. I, I'm, I'm not one to judge anybody. Amen? Amen? Got my own trash. Lord, help us. But just realize that's the standard. That's the standard. See it? That's the standard. Okay. So he says, perhaps he's on the toilet. A sign of our defilement. I, I want that to sink in. Yeah. Elijah then approaches the real God. And then he goes late in the day, doesn't he? In that, in that illustrated all through the Bible, late in the day before we go to God. It'll be late before we ever approach God about something. Verse 29, if we'd go early, it wouldn't happen, right? we wait till late. And it came to pass, verse 29, when midday was past, and they prophesied unto the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, and there was neither voice nor any to answer. Nobody up there talking to you right now, nor any that regarded. There was nothing. I promise you, I don't believe it thunder. It would, it would not thunder that. The wind probably wouldn't blow. It was dead, still silence. And then verse 30, And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. That's the first thing. Come near, come near to the man of God. Come on near to the altar of God. Because it said, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord. you got to fix things that's been broken down. Verse 31, Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the, of the tribes of the son of Jacob. All of these stones are symbolic of the people of God being under the voice of God, under the authority of God. Verse 32, and with 
the stones, he built an altar. You know what? This altar's nothing until we get on it. This is just another set of steps until we come and get on it, then it's an altar. You, you can build an altar anywhere, but people need to build an altar in the Lord's house. Okay, so verse 32, And the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a, a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order. Get things in order, right? And he cut the bullock in pieces. Just don't slap it up there any old way. Prepare it. And he laid him on the wood and said, Fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, Do it the second time. And they did it the second time. And he said, Do it the third time. And did it the third time. And the water ran about round about the altar. And he filled the trenches also with water. Well, first of all, we see this as, as, a, as a display. We're going to make it simply impossible that anyone else could do this. I would say that would be true, wouldn't you? We're going to make it just so... Uh, we're going to pour it on there. And then we're going to pour... I mean, the wood's wet. The wood is wet. No accident's going to take place here. It's going to have to be a fire from God. But also, we can't discount the water. It's only being something negative to prevent an imposter or, or, or a situation of a phony uh, experience. But water is always there for cleansing. It's always a barrier around the altar. You've got to go through the water and the blood. Amen? Some people think the water is the baptism of water. No, no, no. That, that's just symbolic. The water is the Spirit of God. When that fire fell... That water flung. <laughs> uh, it affected the people there. There was a washing. There needs to be a washing. Yes. So they get everything ready. They just don't call on God when they want to. See it? Can you see it? I know I've got to hurry because I don't have much of your time left. I've got to hurry, right? But we got to see there was preparation. They just couldn't come to God whenever they wanted to. And they couldn't say, well, I'll just put it off and I'll do it later. That, that don't work. Today is the day of salvation. Now, now is the accepted time. Now is the time with God. They put things in order. They dug a trench. They put the wood in order. They cut the bullock in pieces. They laid it on the, on the wood. They covered it with water. And then verse 34, and he said, do it the second time. And he threw it the second Then he done it the third time. Then he filled the trenches, verse uh, 35. And verse 36, and it came to pass at the time. At the time. Was it their time or was it God's time? You ever heard of waiting? If you're not willing to wait, you don't get in to see the great physician. I don't think it's any accident that if you go late in the day to see your physician, you'll have to wait. Because he's busy doing his thing, and he'll get to you when he's ready. I'm glad our great physician doesn't have to put anybody before us, but he causes us to wait because of his importance. 
He's the great physician. Well, the time, the time, the time. You've got to wait. The time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. That Elijah the prophet came near. He's called Elijah the prophet came near. And he said, Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Well, he's formal there, isn't he? Let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and I am thy servant, and I have done all these things at thy word verification that he was doing the will of God. Hear me, O Lord, hear me that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their hearts back again. Let me ask you something. Do you turn to God or does he turn you to God? He turns you. You come as a willing participant. You know, Paul, when he got saved, he, he, he didn't say, you know, I was... I was persecuting the church and killing Christians and, and I woke up one day and said, boy, I ought not be doing this and he changed his ways. No, that's not what happened. He was on the road to Damascus trying to kill more Christians. And on the road to Damascus, he a great light out of heaven came and he fell on his face. And then his scales were taken off his eyes. And he looked up into heaven, and what did he say? Me and Jesus got our own thing going. Me and Jesus got everything going right. No, he didn't say that. He said, Jesus is my friend. Jesus is so kind. He's so good. No, he didn't say that. You don't get to that till afterwards, right? You know, I have people, I talk to people and ask them, do you know Christ? Oh, yeah, me and Jesus, we just talk. We're just, we just good. And they've never seen the doors of a church in 20 years. That ain't the same Jesus. You hear me? Paul talked about at least three other Jesuses. Didn't he? He spoke of three other Jesuses. And today, by the time we got computer age, there's probably thousands of Jesus. There's 91 Jesuses. There's at least as many Jesus. There, there are uh, genders. Got to have a Jesus of your own making. I gotta have a Jesus like I want him to be. Amen. Let me just make what 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 did the kid what did the commandment of God one of the ten commandments say? Make no gods. And this world steadily making a Jesus that fits into them. No, 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 no. You're not on the right page. You're on the wrong page. And boy, I can't tell you you're wrong because that just wouldn't be nice, would it? That's how far we are. And so, he said, verse 37, Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God. Folks, we, we need the God. We need the God of Elijah to come. We need the God of Elijah to bring fire down. Because so, the fire fell, verse 38. And there was a revival in verse 39. And then it rained. We need the God of Elijah. But you know what? I hear a voice from heaven saying, 
Where are the Elijahs of God? And the people were silent. And here we halt in silence. I want to challenge you today as a Christian for you to make this a stand today. Come to this altar and say, I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. I'm going to decide today. It's already decided. You just need to get in agreement. So we're going to give an invitation. You come. Quietly stand at our feet as Miss Susan comes. Rodney. Our heads are bowed and as our musicians prepare. Would you come right now? Would you step out of that seat? I don't care if you're living for Jesus and, and you're doing everything you can do for God and you're perfectly right with God. I, I'm going to invite you to come to this altar today and say, hey, I want to be on the Lord's side. I want to nail it down. I want to be defended. I want to be accounted. I want to be accredited. I'm on the Lord's side. Would you come? Make a definite decision. Either walk to the Lord or walk out. What about you teenagers? Teenagers, most important that you make a decision for Jesus today. I'm going to be a Christian. I'm going to struggle. I'm going to have difficulty. But Jesus is going to be Lord of my life. And I need him. I need him. I'm not going to be perfect. I need Jesus. Won't you come? Anyone else? Anyone else? Good to be in the Lord's house. You, you. Uh...